Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Um, so here's a question. If you had a chance to meet your favorite celebrity, put, uh, put that person in your mind, um, who is that famous person to you? Don't shout it out. That might be embarrassing for you. Um, but if you had a chance to meet your favorite celebrity... What would you say to that person? What would you say to him or her? Would you be able to have a conversation? You say, I really wonder how you do this, or I just love you. Uh, or would you be the kind of person who kind of melts in their presence, uh, like Leslie Nope in front of Joe Biden, uh, where she just kind of can't, she's just overwhelmed with um, the celebrity starstruck deal going on in her. Uh, what would you say? Uh, another similar picture, picture back to middle school. Um, and for some of you, that's really painful. For most of us, it's pretty awkward. Um, do you know how middle schoolers start to have crushes on each other and they start to want to like know if that other person is crushing back? Does a middle school go to a person and say, do you like me? Most often not, right? Most often, what do they do? Most often, they'll have a friend be like, hey... Do you like her? Um, no. Okay, just checking. She doesn't like you. She's not into you. Move on. Okay. Um, and that's what we do. We start to like talk through other people. I think sometimes we have these uh, one of these two reactions when it comes to God. Either we don't know the words, we don't know what to say, and we just kind of bumble around in his presence like, um, I, I don't know. Or we start to get content letting other people talk to God for us. And then letting other people tell God what he said instead of us going directly to God. This isn't, this isn't a new deal. People have been approaching God like this for thousands of years. But today we're going to talk about how we can stop being content letting other people talk to God for us. And how we can do some work to enter into his presence ourselves. So we're in this series that we've called Growing in Grace. And it's about spiritual disciplines. And we've talked about prayer. We've talked about silence and solitude. We talked about confession. And being able to just be raw with each other. And be vulnerable with each other. And uh, and in front of God to say, I don't want to be content with just who I am. I want to keep growing into the person you've called me to be. And the disciplines have this tendency to, mis- to be misunderstood as checklists. Things that I do so that I can be more spiritual. Uh, check, 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 check. Now I'm really spiritual, and God sure is impressed with me. And through this series, we've tried to look at the disciplines as gifts. We've tried to look at the disciplines as ways that we can grow in grace. That these are invitations that God has given us. Not to earn more credit with him, but to experience him. So we've talked about not doing life just under him, or just obeying him, and not doing life over him. We become our master, and we just want dry principles and laws that run our life. We've talked about not uh, wanting to live simply from a position of life from God, where he's just our great benefactor, and he gives gifts, and then we approach him like a cosmic vending machine. And then we've talked about... Um, not wanting to approach life with God just as a 
uh, for God experience. That means I'll give you my life. I'm going to go and do something meaningful. And in return, you give me purpose. That each one of those four postures actually have something worthy in them. But when we put them at the center, when we put them at the core of our relationship with God, they fall short. And so in this series, we've talked about how at the core is a life with God. Not under or over or from or for, but a life with God. And that's what Jesus came to bring. That his name, Emmanuel, means God with us. And the disciplines are ways that we can grow in life with God. It's our cooperation, our effort, that puts us in position to be closer to him. The disciplines don't guarantee a relationship. But they put us in position where... Uh, we may find ourselves having greater and greater intimacy with God. And so today we're going to talk about uh, meditation. Meditation, let's read, um, starting in, in the Psalms, we'll read a couple passages. Psalm one says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, his delight, is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And I love how the New Living Translation says it. It's just worded a little bit differently. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. So these two verses that start out the whole entire collection of Psalms talk about blessing and delight. Oh, the joys. And then meditating on the law of the Lord. Why don't we know God's word like this? Often, often we approach the Bible like it's a big, heavy, dusty book on the shelf. And it's, it's not filled with life. It's kind of more like I should read that. But I'm not really drawn to it in any way. This guy has a different approach. Oh, the joy. Like, I, I love it. And somebody who pours into this and meditates on it day and night, that person is blessed. You can read that as happy. Happy is the person who meditates day and night. And we find it stuffy and boring and filled with a dry duty. How could we see it differently? How could we actually change our lenses with which we look at the Bible? Psalm 119.97 says... Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. In verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Honey was the, the sweetest thing that they had in those days to say, this is, this is the sweetest thing I can imagine, meditating on the law that you've given us, the, uh, the principles and uh, and you speaking to us the life that you called us to live. When I think about that, that it, I can't imagine anything sweeter. How is he able to say that? And the next verse starts to shine light on that in verse 104. Through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. And in verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So in the ancient world, they didn't have floodlights. They didn't have big lights that they could shine on a path in front of them. When they were walking at, uh, at night, they didn't have street lights. They didn't have car lights. They didn't. We, are, we live in a world where we don't really know darkness. 
uh, because all we have to do is flip on a light, and it's there. In the ancient world, what they had to do if they wanted to go out at night was carry this little oil lamp, an oil lamp that illuminated like the next step. It's eerie, isn't it? If you've ever found yourself away from lights at night, like if you're camping and you look up and all of a sudden the stars like are just, they just blow up and you've never seen stars like that. A couple of times that I've been in Africa walking in a village, I'm so glad that I have my flashlight at night because without it, I'll turn it off sometimes and I can't tell where the goat poop is anymore uh, and I'm going to step in it, okay? It is to have a light to your next step is a gift when all when the only other alternative you have is darkness. And so he talks about your word doesn't just illuminate my life, like from here and forever, like one experience with you, God, and I've got the whole thing covered. He says, I need moment-by-moment experiences with you. And as I dwell on your word, as I dwell on your message to me, and as I uh, walk in this intimate relationship with you, God, one step at a time, you lead the way. And I don't feel lost anymore. And my stress starts to melt. And I don't have the anxiety that I did because you're guiding me and you're with me. God met him. He guided him. And he did it through meditation. It comes up all over in the Psalms. So meditation, uh, let's talk a little bit about what it is and then what it isn't. When we talk about meditation, especially in the Christian world, um, meditation has its primary focus on hearing from God and obeying him. On hearing from God and obeying him. So this is... an kind of intense uh, life with God. And you can see it through the story of the Bible, all the way back into the beginning in the garden, where God walked with uh, Adam and Eve, and they, they spent time together, and they, could, uh, they had this time with each other. And God spoke to them, and they listened, and they could obey, or choose not to obey. And then you see it in the pages that follow with Cain and Abel and Noah and Abraham. God speaking, God not hiding in the cosmos, but speaking to them and revealing himself to them. And then people can respond and they have a choice to obey or to not obey, to go the way that God is calling them or to go in a a different way. But God is speaking. Then you get to Moses and Moses Moses was said to have such a relationship with God that it it was like a close friendship that he spoke to God face to face. And he had such intimacy at times that his face would literally beam. His face would shine and he would come down uh, from spending time with God and people were intimidated by it. Like, man, your face is shiny. I don't know if I can do that. And they actually requested, you go speak to God for us. Because we don't want to speak to him face to face. We think we'll die. And in that moment, you get a shift where God had spoken to people directly. And at the people's request, he started speaking to someone. And that person would carry the message to the people. And that is a sad shift. God desires to be with you. 
and to be with me, not just to speak through people, though he does that still. And in the fullness of time, Jesus came to bring that intimacy back. Jesus came to bring uh, God with us back so that we didn't have to go through Moses or we didn't have to go through a judge. We didn't have to go through a prophet that would speak to God and then deliver this message uh, to us. And then we could kind of go back and forth like that, like carrier pigeons. It, it was Jesus here with us, God with us directly face to face. Jesus hasn't stopped talking. Our God is still alive. And our God is talking today. When people approach the Bible as if it's a dead book, as if it was just written long ago and it's boring and stuffy, and we don't understand, I think we miss the mark so often in understanding that God's desire is that we could have a direct line to him. And he has already spoken in the Bible. And it continues to speak to us when we dig in and when we focus. So meditation is about listening. Silence and solitude creates a space. It says, I'm going to get rid of the noise. And all by itself, silence and solitude is a wonderful discipline to practice. And when you couple it with prayer and when you couple it now with meditation, what you get is... Uh, The noise is gone, and I can focus in on listening. Because I don't want to just get rid of the noise. I want to hear something. I'm getting rid of stuff so that I can hear. Meditation is a very focused sitting time with God. What meditation is not is just utter detachment. What, What separates Christian meditation from like Eastern meditation is Eastern meditation focuses on becoming nothing, like getting everything out of your mind so that you are nothing. The nirvana is nothingness, and uh, you just want to rid yourself and rid yourself and empty yourself and empty yourself, and that is the end goal. And Jesus has a warning for that. Because he actually talks about a man who uh, has demons in him. And Jesus makes the demons go away. And he's like, that guy, if that's, if that's where it ends, that demon's going to run around for a while, go get his buddies. And they're all going to come back and they're going to fill the void. And that guy's going to be worse off. Because though he got emptied, he got filled again with even more evil. So our goal is not just to empty ourselves. That can be good, but it can be dangerous. Our goal is to empty ourselves so that God can speak, so that God can fill us, so that we can hear directly from God. So we don't just want to run from sin. We don't just want to clear the noise and say, if I could just get rid of the sin in my life, then I would be good. If I could just get rid of all the bad stuff, then I would be good. Well, then you're just empty. And all the bad stuff is going to come back. All the sin is going to work its way right back into your life. We try to purge sin and then get filled with something else. Because only when we are filled by something else can that satisfy. Otherwise, we're going to keep reaching for 
for what we know. And nothing ever satisfies. Only, only Jesus truly satisfies. So meditation is this focus on getting uh, empty so that we can be filled. Meditation is not too difficult. uh, Meditation is not just for the super holy or the super spiritual. Meditation is a gift, I think, is a common gift so that you can do it. Anybody can do it to say, uh, I think the first step is saying, God, will you give me this desire to meditate and kind of ruminate and linger in you in a very focused way? And I think he honors that request, and he grows that desire in you. But it's, it's actually very simple. It takes work, and it takes dedication, but it's not a complicated concept. It's also not a luxury. I think uh, we often get trapped in the idea that like silence and solitude and meditation is a luxury for people who have it all together or for people who have all kinds of free time. It's important, however busy you are, to be able to carve out time to say, I want to quiet the noise. I want to hear from God. And you can do that if you only have five minutes. We'll do it uh, later on this morning. We'll, we'll spend, uh, spend some time meditating uh, like we have with all the other disciplines up until this point. Just a couple of minutes and you can find gold. But the more time that you're able to carve out, I think God can meet you there. Stephen Covey tells this story of tree cutters who are um, using the old-fashioned way of uh, cutting down trees with a saw. And they're just going at it, and they're going at it, and there's two different tree cutters, and one of them is just going and going and going and going, and he looks at the other guy, and the guy cuts for a little while, and then he goes off somewhere. He doesn't know where, but he's just going to work and work and work and cut and cut and cut and saw. And the other guy comes back after a while, and he works for a while, and then... And then he goes away again, and this guy is just sawing all day long. And he's just so disgusted by this guy who's walking away and not taking his job seriously that at the end of the day, he comes and he says, look what I did because I was able to focus all day, and this is, this is what I cut down. What you cut down? And this guy who walked away all day actually says, I cut down more than you. Because when I walked away, every time I walked away, I, I went and sharpened my saw. You're working with a dull saw. And if you just grind and grind and grind and grind and grind and grind, you get dull. And so many of us, I think, are walking around weary and fatigued and not sharp because we're stuck in the cycle of busy. We're stuck in just going through the motions and And I think we're stuck in being content letting other people speak directly with God for us. And we want other people to tell us what God wants from us. Instead, if we took the time to sharpen ourselves, if we took the time to step away from the grind to say, God, would you sharpen me? Can I just spend some time with you? And would you refill me? Would you pour into me? Because I can't keep doing this. This is crazy making. But I need you and I need to get sharper. Life with God is not uh, a luxury. If you really want life, you have to pursue it.
God, I want to hear your voice. So if this is your prayer, uh, we'll take a look at a couple of different ways, uh, a couple of different methods of meditation, um, just so I can give you some tools to look at. I think meditation uh, in the Christian world has to start with Scripture. Uh, because if we just sit and meditate and we say, whatever voices speak to me, those are the voices that I'm going to listen to, we can get messed up real quick. Because our imagination can uh, think about whatever we want. And the reality is we live in a world that is not just physical. We live in a world where there are spiritual beings who love to speak lies. The devil is called the father of lies. He's a deceiver from the beginning. And he would love to get you quiet and speak lies into your life. And uh, for some of you, that's why silence is so painful. Because when you get quiet, all you hear are the lies. All you hear is the shame and all you hear is the guilt. And meditation opens us up in a way that says, Father, I want to hear your voice. Jesus Uh, in John 14, talks about being the good shepherd whose sheep know his voice. He says, I have them, and nothing will ever rip them out of my hand. So we say, Father, with all the voices that want my attention, I want to focus in on yours. And that's why we start with Scripture. Because God has already spoken, and he continues to speak through it. So meditation on Scripture is different than study of Scripture. Study of Scripture is, is a really valuable, really essential discipline. Study of Scripture, though, says uh, who wrote it, in what age was he writing, in what, in what area of the world was he writing, who was he writing to, what was he trying to accomplish. And we, we actually, um, in a disciplined manner, separate ourselves from the text so that we can better understand the text because we have a we also can tend to have a lazy um, approach to scripture that says everything is written to me immediately and so when i read this i say oh it must mean that i well that can be a problem if we don't understand what was originally being said so that's study and it's vital but meditation is a personal god is speaking to me through it Yes, he was speaking in a time and in a place. And I don't want to just ignore those things. But for right now, I want to give God space to speak to me. Because he is a personal God. So this is moving from study to meditation is like moving from your head to your heart. And saying, okay, I want to understand. But now I want to know. And I want to experience it. Meditation on scripture um, is about taking a single passage, maybe a single a single verse or even a single word sometimes, and going over and over and over and over. Not in a, um, I accidentally hit repeat on my CD and it just kind of numbingly does that. But over and over and over and over and over, I want to think about what this verse is saying and what God might be saying to me in it. And so we read a story about Jesus uh, feeding the 5,000, and we start to enter into the story, and we we try to picture the waves. 
that are coming up uh, uh, from the beach and the wind that might be blowing. And we, we try to picture the chaos around not having food and then a little boy offering this and not knowing what to do with it. And then Jesus does something amazing. What would it have been like to be right there? And we enter into the story. And so we picture ourselves as the prodigal son. What is it life to get so desperate that we'd, we'd eat the food of an animal that is detestable in my community? I'm not even allowed to touch the animal, and now I'm eating what he ate. What would it be like to be that person that is the lowest of the low? What would it be like to be the older son who is just has done his duty for his father over and over and over, and I can start to understand his frustration, but it, God can also start to crack at me, to pierce me in the ways that I have just been living under him and maybe for him, but not with him and experiencing his presence and enjoying him myself. I just want what he has for me. What if we, what if we took a look at the father in that parable? We said, could God possibly be calling me to be like the father. Like I always think about, I'm either the younger son, the kind of the rebellious sinner, or the older son, which is like uh, the stuck-up sinner. What if God wants me to deal with those so that he can call me into a life of being like the father, which is embracing and welcoming and giving mercy to others? I think God calls us to that. And we enter into the story to say, God, what? how could this come alive in my life? When I was newly married, um, I really liked mountain biking. And I had biking gloves so my hands wouldn't just vibrate. And I took a piece of paper and I wrote out a passage from Ephesians 5 that talks, talks directly to husbands about the kind of life that we are called to live for our wives. And it was all about we love our wives like Christ loved the church. And I would sit or ride and think about that. How did Christ love the church? Like, what does it mean that he gave himself up for her? And what does that mean for me as a husband? How am I supposed to love Leslie like Jesus loves the church? What does that look like? And ride after ride after ride, I would look down and I, I would memorize it and then I would meditate on it over and over and over. We take time to focus on one specific passage. You might pick a favorite chair or a favorite space. You might go to a coffee shop, actually, and put in earbuds and quiet the noise around you so that you can focus. Sometimes, ironically, sometimes I have found the most quiet when I turn on loud music. It actually helps me focus. Uh, so if that, if that is a step toward quiet for you where it actually gets louder um, because then it's only one noise instead of all the other competing ones, then try it so that you can focus on this one thing. It's amazing how many times when you have been meditating, when you have memorized and then have been meditating on Scripture, how many times God brings those verses up and they are, they're relevant in your life. Like Jesus, when he starts his ministry, goes into the desert and he's fasting and the devil comes to tempt him. And he had spent so much time studying Scripture that every time the devil tempted him, he is able to reply with scripture to say, no, this one applies in this case. And it's actually fuel that we don't have to stand on our own. We stand in the authority of God. 
So that's meditating on Scripture. We're actually going to try that a little bit later. Another way, if you're interested in this, um, is, um, and this might stretch you some, and this might feel weird. Um, It did for me, but I actually found it helpful. If you are uh, kind of a symbolic person, or if you like pictures, or you're tactile, um, there is a meditation technique called palms down, palms up. And it works where you find yourself in a comfortable position, and you start just by going palms down. And palms down is things that you want to get rid of, things that you want to release, things that you want to surrender. And you talk directly to the Father and say, Father, I surrender my anxiety. I'm going to release my worry. I'm going to release my fear. I'm going to release my bitterness. I want to separate myself from that. And it's a, as long as your palms are down, you're intentionally thinking about how you empty yourself and what needs to go. And you might even pray, God, show me what I need to release. And then after some, after some time, you physically change your palms to a palm up. And your prayer changes to, Father, I want to receive from you. And you don't have to make stuff up because he's already spoken tons of things he wants to give you. Father, I want to receive your love for this person. While I released bitterness, I want to receive your love for them. Would you give me your love for them? Would you give me grace for this person? Would you give me direction in how I can impact my community? And, and you spend time just receiving from God. And this, I think, couples with and relies upon our meditation on Scripture. That we don't just open it up and say, whatever comes in these moments, that must be from God. If we hear something that sounds really odd, number one, we test it against Scripture. And number two, we test it with our community. I think I heard this from God. And I trust you as we go to the Bible together. Could God be telling me this? And they said, no, no, that is not consistent. One thing that we know about God is he is consistent. So he's not going to say one thing clearly and then say another thing in direct opposition. This is not, this is not a message that you've received from God. And we should, um, we should go to release that and chuck it. So palms down and palms up. You might find that helpful. Another one uh, that might get some of you uh, and not others is just simply meditation on creation that you intentionally get outside and you slow down and you look at trees and you look at flowers and you if you like fishing you like you stop to pay attention to fish and the god that created these things there's so much beauty in this world if you think god is boring and dull look around at the art he created This world is his canvas. He actually calls us his masterpiece. You start to look at people and the intricacies of people and how God wired them. Some were all wired in the same ways and in some ways were wired all uniquely. And there's beauty in that. But if you can find yourself out in the woods sometimes, I think that can be God's greatest classroom. I think that can be some of the most powerful ways that God speaks to us. And I, if you haven't, I would challenge you to, unreservedly. You need to go camping um, and, 
and pay attention to what's out there. No, I'm going to camp in a hotel. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, I may pay attention to the sheets. I don't know. <laughs> you should. You can meditate on creation and, and experience God in it. Uh, one other thing before we uh, kind of wrap up. Uh, sometimes when we are meditating, sometimes when we get so focused, uh, either by ourselves or we're meditating with others, um, one, I think, tool that God gives or one gift that he gives is he starts to give pictures. Not even just words, but he'll give you pictures. And so Susie at Easter talked about uh, receiving a picture from a friend of her relationship with God and how she had climbed up a mountain and she gets to the top and she sees a mountain on the other side, but God's with her the whole time. And uh, those can be really powerful. That if you give a picture of what God is saying, of, of shame being washed away, pay attention to it. Again, we don't give it absolute freedom to go off and like run wild away from what uh, in an inconsistent fashion with God. But it's a powerful way that he speaks. So if you get a picture sometime, pay attention. And if God wants you to share it with somebody, like, maybe take that step and share that and see what God does with that. And honestly, maybe it's nothing. Maybe it bounces off and that person says, that's really cool, but maybe God is using you to really speak in a powerful way to somebody else. So scripture, the palms down, palms up, and then meditation on creation. Um, We have an invitation to hear directly from God. I want us to get rid of the celebrity mindset or the middle school crush mindset with God. You say, you talk to him for me. I'm okay if you just tell me what he says. I want us together to be people individually who are experiencing God and then communally are experiencing God, that we do it together. But this is a gift that he's given, that we would quiet and focus ourselves and listen We would hear and then obey what he's saying, have a life with God. So we're going to throw up a verse on the screen, and we're going to spend a few minutes just meditating on it. Uh, This is a verse that most of you know, um, and when I throw it up, some of you guys might be like, oh, not a challenge. I got that one mastered, okay? Let me tell you, um, when I went to seminary a few years ago, One of my assignments, probably my favorite assignment, or at least right up there, was this one. Um, Take John 3.16 and come up with 100 observations on it. You're like, well, it doesn't even have that many words. Like, characters even? Like, John 3.16 starts with F. Okay, thank you. But it's doable. You can... uh, I came up with 100 observations of John 3.16, and by the time I got to 100, I was like, I'm not done. Like, I could keep going, but I'm done because I'm going to turn this assignment in and walk on, okay? But this assignment was profound for me. 
And something that it taught me was, I'm never done with Scripture. I'm never done with the Bible. And God has never spoken his last word in anything in the Bible. So when I engage and when I ask God to speak to me, I think sometimes he shows up, and he does. So when we take a single verse and we, uh, we meditate on it, what I want you to do in the quiet uh, for the next few minutes is I want you to, I want you to look at every single word uh, in the verse. And if you were reading it out loud, it would be like, um, sometimes uh, this helps me, that I'll just go through the verse and I'll emphasize one word at a time. For God so loved the world. And then the next time I read it, I'll go, for God. And I'll just stop to think about what is going on in that word. For God, so. Why is so there? It's, it's on purpose and it's important. God didn't just love, he, he so loved. What does it mean to say God so loved? And this is all building on itself. And so for the next few minutes, what I want you to do is I want you to I want you to start with me with a simple prayer. God, let me hear from you. And then in the quiet, I want you to go word by word and over and over and over these verses and say, God, what what would you say to me, even though I know this verse? What would you say to me in this verse today to me? And what should I do with that? Let's pray together. Father, you are not far off. You don't hold yourself at a distance way far away. Your desire is to be close, to call us close to you. Jesus, you came so that you might bring us back into you, that we could do life with you, that can start now and someday that we'll have an entirely full experience with you. That right now, in the here and now, would you meet us with your word, with a verse that has become so common that we don't even think about it. Uh, Would you give us the gift of being able to enter into it, to receive from you. In the quiet, Lord, help us meditate on you. We pray in Jesus' name. In his name only, amen.